0: Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at renewalchicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Uh, We're going to be in Mark chapter one. And as I said, we started a new series last week entitled The Way of the Heart. And my desire for us as we walk through this uh, this new series in the next several weeks is as we're walking into this fall season, uh, I don't want us to just enter the season doing well. I want us to enter this season in a, in a way where we we're allowing God to kind of meet us in the quiet spaces of our hearts. I like to say it that way. I, w- I want you to just enter this space where you're allowing God to take up residency in your heart. And the reason I say that is because we've gone through a pandemic, still slightly in it, and we've had shelter in place in our house, isolation, different things that have happened. There has been financial loss. There's been job loss. We've lost family members, some of us. There's been racial tension around America. There's been political mayhem, murder, addictions are off the charts. Those are just the name of few. And the problem with and when things like this happen or occur in society, and one of the first things we do is that is what we do, is what we did last week. I talked about last week. We we take the good things of God and we make those good things now ultimate in our lives. We make them God things. We we form idols, we run to these things for sources of satisfaction and fulfillment. And the other thing we tend to do, which I want to talk about this morning, is that we we start to lose the discipline we had with God in our relationship what I mean we start to lose any time we had with God or any spiritual discipline we had with God all that time that we had with him or I don't have time to read my word anymore I just got to figure out what to do with my life you know why because when things start occurring and things start happening in our lives and all this chaos chaos is around us what do we tend to do we try to figure out how to fix it We get caught up in all the surroundings and circumstances in our lives. We get overwhelmed. And instead of running to God, we run away. And see, this is the direct opposite of what Christians really should do in times like this. If you talk to Christian psychologists, they would tell you that in times that we've been through, in the, the, the pandemic and the things that we've gone through, it's really key for us to stay persistent in our spiritual discipline. It's key to do things like worship like we did just now with our our worship team. Boy, they was taking us to the house. Reading, studying the word of God, praying, keeping a Sabbath, confession, giving generously. Those are things that we don't want to let go of in seasons like this. Fasting, keeping all of these spiritual disciplines in place. But what tends to happen is instead, when all of this happens, disciplines go out the window. Idols start to form our heart goes everywhere and if that's not it We start leaning into what we feel is right and the problem with our feelings And I might step on somebody's toes Because you lean in your feelings and everything your feelings change like the wind and the waves They change every hour of the day you walked in here feeling one way and you feel a whole different way now and you're going to feel different after this sermon. They change, which means that they're unstable. They're not something that we should depend on. See, what I'm really trying to get at, family, is that we have left the stable rock that we know. And for many of us, we've never depended on God in the first place. We don't slow down. We don't take time to submit. In seasons like this and ask God, what is it that you would have me do? What do you want from me, God? And so that's what I want for us. I want us to slow down in this as we look at the way of the heart. And and today, I want to talk about one spiritual discipline that helps us become more silent in the midst of noise. A spiritual discipline that helps us enter into the space where we come to know how much God loves us. Come to know how much he cares for us. Come to know his peace. I want to talk about the practice of solitude. Solitude. So we got a Bible. will in Mark chapter 1. And as we get there, I, I do want to do something that we did last week. Um, it's an age-old discipline that sadly is lost in our modern-day world. But I, I just want us to practice being silent before God. My wife and I have been doing this uh, throughout the summer. something we've been putting in. In place in, in, in the busyness of life, we just lose those quiet spaces. <laughs> and people of old throughout history would, would stop before they read the Bible, before they did anything, and they would just sit in silence before the Lord. And what I want you to do now for a couple minutes, I want us to just sit silent. Get to a place where your heart is ready to receive what God may have for you, to a place where you can kind of hear your breathing. A couple moments we're going to sit in silence then i'll ask us to stand and read the word together so just just quiet yourselves Stand and let's read Mark chapter 1 together. If you're just joining us online, good to see you. Mark chapter 1, here now, the reading of God's word. We're going to start in verse 12. It says, The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the animals, and the angels were ministering to him. The Spirit immediately, say immediately, immediately drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering him. The very, very word of God, Amen. Today, I want to preach on the topic solitude, solitude. Before we go any further, let's pray. Father, thank you for just who you are, God. I do thank you for just those silent moments. For some people, that might have been the first silent moment they had. So God, I pray that even now that it wouldn't be me speaking, but it would be you moving and working in my being for your glory. Hide me behind your cross, Lord Jesus. Decrease me so that you may increase in this place. Have your word your way, Father, and let your word fall afresh on your people. God, we play, pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus, and we all said together, amen, amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> As many of you know, and some of you may not know, it's the first Sunday, and you're probably looking at me. I don't even think I said my name. I'm Derek Puckett, lead pastor at Renewal Church. Uh, but as many of you know, throughout the summer I take July off, and and one thing I love going to do in July is I like I like going to remote places. I I like um, going to lake houses, to be more specifically, um, just just out in the wilderness where. My phone is off. People can't reach me as easily. Uh, No internet, no Comcast or cable. The noise of the city uh, is not around. Uh, The compulsions of my heart, I I can't run after all all of these things. Relationships are kind of cut off, cut off for all of these things. My occupations, even my kids for that matter. And I found that in these times, these times of solitude, I, I've had my best time with God. I've I, I found that, and experienced that it's some of my most fruitful times with the Lord when I'm in these spaces of solitude. My my prayer life is richer. My my love for Jesus is it, it just seems like it's it's greater. My my heart feels fuller. And again, there's no phone, no internet, no cable. I'm just waking up in the morning, you know, get a, a nice good cup of coffee, not that curate stuff, you know, coffee, not, not, I'm gonna make fun of somebody, but what's Folgers, none of that drip pour, you know, drip coffee. Some of y'all looking at me like, that's all I drink, Pastor. Just waking up slow, waking up slow, by myself, coffee, my Bible, good breakfast, and then maybe end that day with a nice glass of wine. No agenda at all. These are moments where my soul is refreshed. And I'm able to hear the direction of God. Now, listen, because I don't want you to miss what I'm trying to get at here, because some people get solitude mixed up. We misunderstood, we misunderstand solitude, and so don't don't miss what I'm saying. When when I go away, it's not to retreat from the world and the people, because I can't stand the world, and I can't stand the people in it. Don't, Don't miss what I'm saying. It's in these times, just in case you missed it, that I'm able to get clarity on what I'm to do with my life and how I'm leading in the world and what God wants for me and how I reach people. So in actuality, I'm retreating so that now I can be of use by God when I come back in the world. You follow me? Some of y'all missed it. I got one yeah and one amen. St. Anthony, who some call the father of monks, he was born in 251 AD, at about the age of 18, he heard the words of Matthew chapter 19, verse 21, which says, go and sell all that you have, all that you own, and give to the poor, and then come and follow me. And he, after this, he goes and he works as a laborer for some amount of years, and then soon after, he withdraws, and he goes and he lives in the wilderness, in the desert is, desert for about 20 years. Now, I know some of you are like, How, why would somebody do something like that? Why would you leave all of society? Why would you leave all that you know and go live by yourself for 20 years? Well, I'm glad you asked. Listen to me. While Anthony was away from everyone, he experienced immense trouble. And it's not the trouble that you're probably thinking of. He he experienced trouble within his heart. He noticed while being in solitude that all of the superficial securities started to rise up within his heart, and they were smack dab in front of his face. But instead of running away from these things or to them or kind of stuffing them, he sat in the depravity of his soul. And he saw that these things that existed in his heart, watch this, these things he trusted for satisfaction and fulfillment, they never gave him what he was looking for. And it was in that moment that now the ministering of God started to take place within his heart, where the Holy Spirit started to work in his heart and let him know that God was all that he needed. He then fully surrenders his life to God. And when he came back into society, the people would look at him and they said, he's an altogether different man. He no longer cherishes himself above everyone else. But he now looks out for the betterment of everybody around him he has compassion he had compassion on his neighbor see see i I don't want you to miss what's happening here he went in one way and he came out another way what do we learn from saint anthony though listen to me solitude doesn't always feel good but it's always for your good let me say it again Solitude doesn't always feel good, but it's always for your good. See, it's in these times of solitude where we learn as we pull away intentionally from the compulsions of the world and our own hearts that we're able to see what's deeply embedded in our own hearts, our own depravity. And what happens is now we're, we're, we're now getting pointed towards Jesus. We're, we're, we're now seeing our need for Jesus. But see, here's the problem. Like I said last week, we don't like sitting in our own mess. We we don't like seeing the depravity of our own heart. We don't like that. So solitude and being silent before God with nobody around us, no distractions, is a place that we don't want to be. We don't want to be there. It's scary. any control. What's going on in our hearts, what's going on in our minds, we can't control it when we're in solitude. We don't have control, so being quiet... It's not something we want to do. So what do we do? We cloud our minds and we cloud our hearts with more noise. More of this and more of that. More work. The next battle. The next thing I need to do. And if that's not it, we pick up our phones and we start scrolling through that thing all on IG. Or we on all the dating sites. He's, I'm swiping him right. He's swiping him left. I don't want this one. I want that one. We're going through all these things. The dopamine heats. And I ain't trying to knock somebody on dating sites. I'm just saying we cannot be quiet. We cannot be in this place of solitude. And if that's not it, we, we Netflixing and chilling. Let me see what came out on Netflix. They got a new movie every day. I want to I catch this one. I want to do this one. We're all over the place. We just keep going. We keep going. We can't be quiet. Let, let me step into somebody else's neighborhood. When you wake up in the morning, the first thing you do is not get up and read my Bible and pray is check your email, who called me, who texted me, who liked my post. All of these things, we, we, we've lost this discipline of being able to sit still, be silent. And what ends up happening within our soul Is that we're 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 in this place where we're just starving for more and more all the time. You know why? Because we forgot how to sit before the true source of all fulfillment, God. What I'm trying to say is that we just we really don't even have a place to just sit with ourselves in quiet anymore. We, We we it's just noise all around us. We don't know how to collect our thoughts. Unless we're in the bathroom. My my kids, y'all, I got five kids. I sit in the bathroom. And they always, I mean, they're knocking on the door all the time. Daddy, what you doing in there? I'm trying to be by myself. (laughs) (laughs) Only space I got. Somebody amen me. Y'all know. (laughs) I have space. See, all the noise of the world And in our hearts has eaten away at the fabric of what solitude looks like, this need to pull away from the noise and distractions of life. And so as a result, here's the problem. You know what's happened? We don't know how to be fully present with anyone anymore. We don't know how to be present with anyone, not even God. Today, I I, want to look at Jesus here in solitude before he does any type of ministry. Jesus in solitude before he does anything else. I got three points and I'm out your way. Number one, what is solitude? Number two, solitude is a place of transformation. And number three, solitude leads to a compassionate heart. What is solitude? Solitude is a place of transformation and number three, solitude leads to a compassionate heart. As you get into this text, in verse 12, we're told Jesus is led immediately. There's that word, immediately. Say it with me again. Immediately by the Holy Spirit to the wilderness. Now, Mark uses this word immediately 41 times, and it gives us this the emphasis of urgency. It gives us this understanding of importance, thus when he says this, he's basically letting us know that it was important for Jesus to go into the wilderness. Now, the question arises is why? Why, would Jesus, why is this important? Well, follow me. The thing to note here, and I think many of us skip over this because when we read this passage, whether here or in Matthew chapter 4, we just read about this was not led into the wilderness to be tempted. I know I just messed up somebody's theology in here. He wasn't led in the wilderness to be tempted, but instead to be ministered to and filled up by the Holy Spirit. Now, now how do we know this? Well, we, we know this because God is not a God who causes temptation. He doesn't cause sin, sin. James 1 tells us this where where it's the work of Satan. It's the the work of the desires in our heart. Now, God may allow Satan to tempt us, which we see in this passage. And it's another sermon for another day. But I know someone is thinking it because, well, if God allows temptation, Pastor D, how how am I supposed to fight off temptation if he allows it? Well, here, here it is. The weapon that we have to fight off temptation, to fight off the wiles of Satan... Is the word of God and prayer. That's our weapon. It's word of God and prayer. And we see Jesus model this right here in this passage when you read it or if you read it in Matthew chapter 4. Listen, we cannot fight the wiles of Satan with our own strength. Some of y'all in here fighting battles that you ain't about to win. You're not going to win it by yourself. He is simply more powerful for us. We can't fight him by our own strength. The only way we can fight him is through the word of God and being prayed up, then using this word of God and through our prayer, which means we got to spend time with God first, which we see modeled right here in the passage before Jesus does anything. You notice he gets baptized. He doesn't go out there and start making disciples. He doesn't go out and share his faith. That's not what he's doing. He goes straight into the wilderness, immediately into the wilderness before he does anything. For well, 40 days, not one, not two days, 40 days. Now, the word wilderness, in its original language, Greek is pronounced "eremos," "eremos," and translates in meaning many different ways, but it's all the same. It means desert or desolate place, solitary place, quiet place, lonely place. You get the gist. The point is, is that Jesus here, was alone in solitude. He wasn't constantly being tempted by Satan. But verse 13 tells us that he was with the animals and the angels were ministering to him. Again, friends, I think we missed the importance here because we've always translated this text as Jesus was at his weakest moment. We always look at this text as if it's just Jesus being Tempted. Hear this, because this might mess you up. The wilderness or this place of solitude is actually a place of strength. Jesus doesn't fall here. He doesn't sin in the wilderness. We see him victorious and getting some good time here with God and the angels. See, too many times we interpret solitude as a bad thing. Oh, I'm lonely. I'm tired of being single and by myself. I I get so bored while I'm by myself, and then as soon as we feel boredom, because there's no such thing as boredom anymore, we pick up my phone or we do something else. We get a dopamine hit of doing something around us. What if I were to tell you that it's in those places, solitude, that you can find the most strength and fulfillment? But see, here's the problem. The problem is we live in America. Namely, Chicago. Where our Christianity and the pace of life has defined everything we do. Our Christian life, let me say it again. Our Christian life is defined by the pace of life. It's defined by culture and society. And so... Because I'm moving fast in society and I'm doing all these things in Chicago and I'm moving from this thing to that thing. Well, my, my Christianity, or if I get time with God, he might get five minutes today, he might get life in the things around us. It's defined by culture. And the thing is that when you read about Jesus, when you dive deep in the scriptures and you look at the life of Jesus, Jesus never allowed culture or society to drive him. Instead, he was always leading culture or society. Some would call it counterculture. I call it him keeping God first in his life. He let his relationship with the Father to find everything instead of vice versa. And I know I'm going to step on some toes with this one, but y'all, too many of us in here, we're, Chris, we're, we're Christian, but we're something first before we're Christian. And, and, and what I mean is that your life is driven by something other than God loving you and you simply loving him. For someone in here, you're a lawyer that just happens to be Christian. Somebody's a, a student that just happens to be a Christian. Somebody's black, you're white, you're Asian, Hispanic, and you happen to be a Christian. And see, none of those things are bad. But when you become something first or you put something ahead of your Christian faith, now you've taken something that God gave you that was a good thing and it's become an idol. You make a good thing a God thing. And, I'm, and hear me, I'm not trying to tell none of you. I'm blacky, black, black, black. I'm black. Okay? I'm not losing my blackness, none of that. I'm not telling you to lose your ethnicity to be something else. But if I put who I am in terms of my color and all these other things ahead of my Christian faith and my, my, my sonship with God, then therefore it's an idol. And see, I, I want you to think about this. What if who we are and what we did was all driven by God? I want you to ponder that for a moment. Wouldn't be any racism, political tensions. What if? Who we are and what we did was all driven first by God. Not the other way around. And in order for this to be true, I need you to hear this. We have to believe two things. Two, number one, we got to believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And two, we got to walk by faith, striving to live our lives as He did. And that's done by best practicing the spiritual disciplines, because ain't none of us in here Jesus. In this passage, you notice the first thing Jesus does is not ministry. It's not work. But instead, he gets to a place where he practices and he, he models the spiritual discipline of being with God. And I, I would argue, according to this passage, is that it's done best in solitude and silence. Silence we'll talk about next week. He's sitting there with God. We see Jesus pull away in this chapter, not once, but twice, You keep reading verse 35. He pulls away and the disciples cannot find him. He pulls away from everything and everyone to be with God. Now, there's something I don't want you to miss with this. Because Jesus, listen, he's not escaping from people. He's not running away from anybody. He's intentionally choosing to be with God. Big difference. Listen, solitude is not escaping. It's not an escape. It's not a vacation either. Some of y'all go on vacation and you come back more tired than when you left. That, that That ain't solitude, okay? It is to be practiced daily with intentionality, which should cause us to ask the question, what in the world is solitude? Solitude, you've heard me say it already, it's when you're alone with God and your own soul this is not to be confused with isolation I love the way John Comer writes it in his book he says isolation is escape solitude is safety isolation is danger solitude is how you open yourself up to God isolation is painting a target on your back for the tempter solitude is when you set aside time to feed and water and nourish your soul to let it grow into health and maturity. Isolation is what you crave when you neglect the former. Listen, there's a big difference or vast difference between solitude and isolation. And for the person that's still stuck saying, well, Pastor D, I don't don't like being lonely. I love what Richard Foster says in Celebration of Discipline. He he says, loneliness is inner emptiness. Solitude is inner fulfillment. Friends, when we are in a place of solitude, we're not by ourselves, as you see with Jesus here in this passage, but instead we're with our soul and God. It's exactly what Jesus is doing in this passage. He's getting away to get time by himself and with God to be able to come back to a waiting and watching world, to minister to them, to give them hope, to give them peace, to give them love, joy, a lasting satisfaction. We see that in the verses to follow. Jesus comes back in. He starts making disciples. He's get, he gets to work, but he first spends time with God. But as you saw earlier with St. Anthony, as I talked about him, it's in these times of solitude that transformation happens. Henry Nowen, I love this. He says that solitude is the furnace of transformation. Let me say it again. I want you to think of the imagery. He says that solitude is the furnace of transformation. Think of a furnace. A furnace is hot. When it's running, you don't want to touch it or you'll get, you'll get burned. The furnace is hot. There's literal fire that's combusting inside because of the gases to provide heat. To your house. Now, let me see if I can make this a little duct work in your house. There's one that's called the supply duct, and then there's one that's called the return duct. With the return duct, what it does is it's pulling air from in your house. It's air that's cooled off, it's air that's dirty, has dust and molecules in it, and it pulls it in through the return dust. And as it goes through the duct, it goes into the furnace and then it hits the filter. That's why you got to change it. And the dust and the pollen and all of that is caught by the filter, and then it goes through the filter, and the air is now heated up, and then it's pushed back through your house to the supply, where it's supplying now not only hot air, but also clean air to your house. But I don't want you to miss what's happening. The air is coming in one way, but it goes back to your house another Ah, y'all missing it. It comes into the furnace with dust and molecules and all this other stuff. It's actually probably really cool air, but it goes out clean and hot. See, the furnace changes the air so that it goes out different than when it came in. So it is the same with solitude. As you enter into this place with God in solitude and silence and resting in him, you come in one way, but then you you go out another way. See, when you enter this place with God, you come in with all the madness in your heart and all the messiness and all those misguided desires. But when when you leave the presence of God, You leave with fulfillment, you leave with rest, you leave with lasting joy and peace. You came in one way, but you don't leave the same way. See, solitude and spending time with God, it's not just a formality or a quiet time that we just check off the list or read a couple of scriptures and be done with it. It's a place where you sit before God and you sit as you sit. You come face to face with the calamity of your heart and the clamoring noises in your heart, the voices of society and the illusions of the false self. You come face to face with who you really are before a Holy God. And if it's done correctly, you can't leave the same way you came in. Some of y'all still missing this though. Isaiah chapter 6. I love this chapter. Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, he comes face to face with God. He has this vision with God. And it says in the vision that, that God comes into the temple and he fills the room. His train, the train of his robe fills the room, and there, there's smoke all over the place. And, and the thresholds of the door post are, are shaken to the temple at the voice of the one that's calling. And there's these seraphim that are they're, they're flying, or cherubim that are flying around the room, and they have six. Six wings and, and feet and face. Think of gargoyle, just scary creatures flying around the room. And they're singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. And, and the whole place is shaking. And Isaiah is sitting there in the midst of all of this. But Isaiah is not sitting there like, oh, it's good to see you, God. I, you know, I only got 15 minutes today, God. That's all I got. That's, that's all I got. See, that's what we do. We come face face God. That's all I got today, God. That's all I got. No, what we see in the scripture when you read Isaiah 6, it says that he falls to his face. And he says, "Woe is me. For I'm a man of unclean lips who dwells in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts." He falls on his face, y'all. Because in the midst of a holy God, he sees the messiness of his heart and he knows that he's unworthy. Listen, we may not have visions like Isaiah. We may not have times like Isaiah, but hear me, the same God that Isaiah saw in this vision is the same God that formed all of us in our mother's womb. He's the same God who hung each star in the sky, knows them all by name, put the moon in place, put the sun in place. It's the same God who made all of creation. He's the same God that you and I meet in these places of solitude, the same malady or checklist item. That's simply disrespectful. But the whole life of the Christian, the whole life as the Christian is one that is and has to be lived out in humility. I know, I know. I just said the word right there. That's it. That's the problem, humility. This is, this is me too. We, 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 don't, we don't go to God just to be with him. We go to God for our own good many times. When in actuality, here it is, if, if we just went to God to be with him, it would actually be for our good in the long run. This is, why, this is why I had you all the last couple of weeks, just before we got into the scripture, just sit quietly. Nothing. Just be in a place where God can minister to your heart. Nothing. Not praying anything, anything. Just, just sitting Because you don't always have to have the right words to say. You don't have to always know what to pray. Just sit. You see, the problem for us is that we don't really know how to do that anymore. We don't know how to sit. And the funny thing is, when I look at Scripture, it's hard for me to think of a prayer if there is one where Jesus makes a prayer and 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 it's selfishly just about himself i, I can't think of one. I, I always see jesus praying and then saying father your will be done even on his on the road to the cross when he's in the garden of gethsemane he says he, his agony taking over he's sweating blood he's sitting there and and he he says let this cup fast from me but he says father your will be done you see I, i can't find one where it's just about him and i can almost guarantee i'm not in the scripture right here i wasn't there when they writing this and when jesus went in the wilderness i wasn't there but i can almost guarantee you that jesus ain't sitting in the wilderness talking about father i need a new car i i i I need a new house i my finance i need more money I, i i god i need you to supply me a spouse and and kids and all of this and but i can almost guarantee that he's praying father your will be done. Now, hear me, there's nothing wrong with you praying for things that you want. God knows the desires of your heart, but when that trumps you being in a relationship with God, it's all out of order. Come to God just to be with him then. Let those desires be driven by you being in a relationship with him. But I know, I know y'all sitting there saying, well, that's Jesus, Pastor D. That's Jesus. Well, okay, let's take the Apostle Paul. This dude was locking up Christians and having them killed before he started running for Jesus. Paul, he continually prays for God's will to be done. Now, Philippians, I, I love Philippians. He says, for to live is Christ, but to die is gain. For if I die, I gain because I'll be with my father, be released from this world. But if I live, I'm going to live to the glory of God, live for his glory. I'm going to share the word with others. That ain't for my good. That's for the good of other people. Galatians, he says, it's not me who live, but it's Christ who lived within me. In 2 Corinthians, he says, I count it all joy because in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. Friends, what I'm getting at is that we miss transformation in our relationship with God because we make our relationship about Us instead of him. When in reality, if we go to God just to know him, not only will you get to know yourself, but you end up now transformed. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you, when is the last time that you just sat before God to know him? No agenda. God, I'm here for you when I know you. The clamoring of noises and the vices in your life start to just rise up. Speak Galatians 2.20 over yourself. Paul says, I, I've been crucified with Christ and I'm no longer the one who lived, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me, meaning I no longer live for my own desires alone or what I want, but I want what God wants. So bump all those desires. If it's not what God wants for me, I don't want it. I want what God wants for me. I want you, Jesus. See, Jesus in this passage is tempted. And as you read Matthew 4, which gives us a little bit more, he's tempted with food, power, and he's putting God to the test. That's what Satan's doing here. All of these we're tempted with on a day-to-day basis. There's trouble in our hearts surrounding all of this. And listen, the hard thing about temptation is that the desire with whatever we're tempted with, here's where it gets hard, it's, it exists within our hearts. It's in our hearts. So if we're not in a healthy place with God, because it's in our hearts, When the temptation comes, you know what happens? We fall. But see, this is where solitude comes in. Because it's in that place of wilderness or the pulling away. The temptations are easily seen. They start to rise up. And you you start to see them for what they really are. And it's in that moment that... The fight is, or the question we have to answer is, do I choose this thing or do I choose God? Do I run to God or do I run to this? And listen, here's where this thing gets real crazy. Because if you sit in this solitude of this place with God long enough, you start to see how fleeting and unfulfilling all of these desires are that exist in your heart. Because watch this heart, whatever it is that's on your mind, as you sit there thinking about that thing long enough, if you don't act on it right away, what tends to happen? You start thinking about something else. You move on to the next thing. It's fleeting. You see it for what it really is. And you see, it's in this place of solitude, where we're away from all these compulsions that, that you can easily say, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I don't really need that thing. I'm good, I'm good." You know, I just bought a pair of shoes last week. I don't need another pair of shoes. I'm okay. I just bought my car last year. Why am I looking at this new car? I'm good. I'm in this relationship with this man or woman. They love Jesus and they love me. Why do I keep looking around for all this others? This is crazy. You start seeing the desires and the compulsions for what they really are. Hey, let, let, me, let me try to help this. I don't want y'all to miss this because I deal with this my own self. I talk about this lake house, and one of the things when we're sitting out at the lake house, this is just how crazy it really is. I'm, I'm sitting at the lake house, and I I look out at the water, and I'm staring at creation. It's just still. It's just nothing. And my wife and I, we talk about this all the time. As we're sitting there, you see these eagles and huge birds just in the they're flying they're not even flying they're not they're not flapping their wings they're just kind of floating with the wind it's amazing and no care in the world just floating and it's in those moments that I'll be sitting there and then someone will rise up within me to say check your email Crazy. You know, go on the website. See what's going on with the church. Because I'm not there in this moment. I'm, I'm away. I'm not able to preach. I'm not running the church. I'm not there. And then I, then I as I sit there long enough, and I keep staring at the bird. I look at it just floating. I'm like... That bird has no care in the world and it's okay. And if God can take care of this bird, he can take care of his church. See, solitude, it's a place where transformation happens. It's where the Our conversion truly happens. It's where we have an encounter with ourselves and we have an encounter with the Holy God. It's where we experience struggle, but also lasting peace. Listen, we got to sit in it for a while. We have to embrace the struggle to come out different than we went in, just like the furnace. Solitude is truly a furnace of transformation. Let me end with this. I want to reiterate this. Solitude, it isn't some type of Zen moment for you and your well-being, no. As a Christian, if you believe in Jesus, this space, this place, as he tells us, the world is its not getting any better. This is not your home. So just getting away to relax, listen, is belittling the spiritual discipline of solitude. In essence, solitude is really time for you as a believer to be fueled or even refueled to walk through this world. See, what happens when you come out of solitude, when it's done well, our cups are now overflowing with compassion for other people to see the love, joy, hope, and peace that they have in Jesus. I love Henry now, and he says it this way, compassion is the foot for others to see God. Now, I know someone's sitting there and you're saying, well, Pastor this sounds awesome. I get what you're saying with solitude. You've hammered it home. But what do I do? How do I do this thing? Number one, remember, this is a spiritual discipline, which means it's a practice. We must intentionally input it in our lives in order to see God. And I have to say this. I've said it before. Start where you are, not where you think you should be. Okay? Start where you are. Not where you think you should be. You can't be a monk in a monastery if you, can't, you don't have a five-minute devotional. All right? It just do not work that way. And remember, there's grace. There's grace in this. If you're hard on yourself, you will miss the moment and you'll miss the grace of God. Just start. Just start. And I want to help you with this. Here's my challenge for you this week. Because you don't need a lake house to have time with God. Okay? Okay? I, I, I want to help you with this. This is my challenge. I want you to set your alarm 15 minutes earlier than what you do on a normal basis. 15 minutes. Everybody got 15 minutes. 15 minutes. I want you to get up like you normally do. Get up, wash your face, brush your teeth. Some of y'all breath stinks, so you need to brush your teeth, and you don't want other people to smell it, so shouldn't talk to God with a snanky I'm just playing. I'm just playing. i was <laughs> just playing. Do, do whatever you need to do to get up in the morning, okay? Wake up in the morning. Get you some coffee if you need to. But what I, what, what I don't want you to do is don't touch your phone. Don't touch a computer. Nothing electronic. I want you to take your Bible. If you don't have one, see me after church. I will give you a Bible. But I want you to go to a remote place in your house. I just want you to sit with God. Sit. I want you to be quiet. And as those clamoring noises start to rise, whatever in this moment, God, I need you right now, I need you. Just give it up. I want you to sit in quiet for a good two minutes. Just sit there. Then I want you to take your Bible. And I want you to start in the Gospel of John. Just read one chapter a day. I want you to meditate on the deity of Jesus and who he is and what he's done for you. And in an application, what it means to be called a son or daughter of the Most High King Jesus. I want you to meditate on that. Fifteen minutes to cherish with Jesus. We all have it. And I want to hear about it. So write me an email, talk to me after church next week. I want to hear how this is going. I want to see and hear what God is doing in your life through these times of solitude. We all got 15 minutes. Let's cherish Jesus with Him. Solitude family, true time with Jesus, is where we come face to face with our hearts and we leave changed. Because at the end of the day, That email, it won't matter. The relationships you have, it's not going to matter. Spouses, kids, all of those things don't matter. At the end of the day, the only thing that will matter is being with God. And all of those other things that I just listed off, all those good things, they all come out of your relationship with God as fruit. So if this is not right, then none of this will be right. So let's make time with God and this space of solitude important today. Y'all with me? Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this morning. You're a good God. God, I do ask right now that you would be with us even as we leave this place. I know people will have the clamoring noise of their hearts and even whether it be their phones or people talking to them, all of that's going to hit them maybe even in service right now God I, I just pray that we would fight for these places of rest these places of solitude as we enter this fall season as many of us go back to school and some of us have kids going back to school and many of us are entering to a fall season of work God or lost loved ones and now there's a forced solitude that feels like God how do we work through this God I pray that in the midst of all of the clamoring noise, all of that, that you'll give us and help us get silent in our hearts so we can hear your voice, God. That we'll run after you. Full of strength and might. Holy Spirit, have your way in our hearts. God, I pray for the person that maybe walked in here and saying, I never even gave my life to Jesus. Lord, I pray that even now, as you're working in their hearts, they're in the right place, that they would confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus, you are Lord encounter their confession, they're saved. God, I pray that they would read and live in wonder of a majestic king who sends his son to die for us because you love us. And God, because of that good truth, we run for the rest of our days with you in the forefront of our mind. God, I pray for the person that's coming back and saying, I, that's me, I need to, I need to, I need to give my, get my life back on track. God, I pray that they would know that there's grace and that you're just and righteous to forgive us when we confess. So, God, I pray that they know that they're still just as approved as they were before they walked off and did whatever they did, that you still love them. God, wherever we are right now, just make our space and time with you, time that we cherish, time that we put it before everything else, and that would be the place that everything in our life is driven from. It's being your son, being your daughter. It's in the mighty name of Jesus we all said together, amen.